You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey everybody, it's Adam, live and in person for you. Hey everybody, it's Adam, wonder who he'll interview. Character actress Beth Grant's career spans 40 years between film, TV, and theater. With over 230 credits to her name, Beth's talent has been seen everywhere, including The Mindy Project, King of the Hill, The Golden Girls, Little Miss Sunshine, Speed, Tu Wang Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar, A Time to Kill, Donnie Darko, and Del Shores' Sorted Lives, plus so many more. When we come back, we'll be talking with Beth about her illustrious career, lessons learned, and some tricks the devil taught me. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Beth Grant. Hi, Beth. Adam. How are you? I'm good. I love that you mentioned the play at the very end of your introduction where we met for the first time. Yes. And it's almost, it's just a few months shy of it being 10 years to the day that we did our interview after that show. And then we almost got married, except that I was already married and you were still looking for a cute fella and you yes, found him. <laughs> I did. I did. Yes. Good. Luckily, luckily. Luckily. And I'm so excited to talk to you today. I even have my sissy rubber bands on my wrist. Aww. Nobody can see this, but uh, I, I was like, when I'm talking to Beth, I'm going to have my rubber band so I can just snap it and go, oh, just like <laughs> sissy. <laughs> and so if you want to curse me out, you just pop that rubber band and be a good boy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, my God. That, that role is so iconic from Del Shores' Sorted Lives. I just I, I loved you on that show. That's where I came to know you. Um, and that leads us right to the start of our conversation about legacy. So. Let's start with X amount of years from now, when somebody mentions Beth Grant, how do you want to be remembered or what do you want people to say about you? Oh my goodness gracious, that I hadn't thought of that exactly. <laughs> I think I would like to have my characters be my legacy. I was thinking right away of, I am trying to quit smoking. And then I was also thinking of, Sometimes I doubt your commitment to sparkle motion. And then I was thinking of, uh, from speed, maybe not quite as recognizable as, what about the rest of us? What about the rest of us? <laughs> you know, sounds like three kind of whiny women <laughs> from my legacy. <laughs> but no, I do. I love all of my characters. I mean, I people ask me sometimes, which is your favorite? And I can't say, I mean, of course I have a sweet spot for Sissy uh, because she's like my grandmother and she is so beloved and that thrills me to death. One time I was doing the uh, gay pride weekend in, um, I mean, I wasn't doing them, (laughs) but I was in Palm Springs celebrating gay pride and I was in a beautiful um, antique Lincoln with these gorgeous men. One was driving, you know, one was sitting in the front and I'm on the back sitting up like I'm in in a homecoming parade and I'm dressed like Sissy Hickey. I've got a cigarette. I'm not smoking, but I have the cigarette hanging out of my mouth and I've got the rubber bands and I'm throwing rubber bands and we're going down Canyon Boulevard and they're just men everywhere. And Sissy Hickey is just, you know, I was kicking my legs in the air, throwing rubber bands. And I just thought, you know, my grandmother 
is dancing in heaven mm -hmm. to know that this character is so iconic and she too liked the boys. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I would say certainly Sissy Hickey, Kitty Farmer, because she is lost mm -hmm. and she's desperately trying to hold on to some kind of, you know, answer. She wants things in black and white. She wants everything in a nice, neat file. And I understand that. And at the end of Dottie Darko, when they play Mad World and there's that montage and they go by her, she is so lost and vulnerable after mm -hmm. being such a control freak. And so I, my heart goes out to her too. I always loved her. I, I, I don't, even on Criminal Minds, I played this mm -hmm. pedophile, murderer, kidnapper, horrible woman. But I, I read the original script and knew a little bit about the way she grew up and mm -hmm. how she was abused. And my heart even goes out to her, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, it goes out more to the children that she, you know, tortured. Mm -hmm. But it, I do understand why she was the way she was. And all, so I have even the worst possible characters. <laughs> and she served a very important purpose. As Matthew Gray Goobler told me, I said, oh, I don't know if I can do this part. Oh. And he said, Beth, this is a Grimm's fairy tale. And it's, yes, it's horrible, but it's a cautionary tale to parents to watch your children, especially young children, in the park, at a public place, at the mall, at a fair, because there are 200, I think 250,000 kidnappings a year. Now, a lot of those are family members who kidnap mm -hmm. the children, but not all. There's a good amount that are strangers and they're never seen again. Mm. So I said, okay, I'm in because you got to have dark to have light. Yes. So I guess my, my answer is, uh, I, I know I was at a film festival once and they were showing a montage of all my work and I'm looking at all these women go by all their different <laughs> hairdos and pocketbooks and the way they dress. I mean, in no country for old men. I, I wasn't going to do her that way. I had planned just to do her, with, you know, with a simple ponytail, no makeup, just simple. Uh -huh. And I went to the costume fitting and uh, Mary Voorhees, who is so brilliant, had done all this research in West Texas in that year, which I think 1985, maybe. And mm -hmm. she showed me picture after picture after picture of these ladies. That character's only 56, but she looks 80. Well, all those ladies did. They all had that little curly perm and gray hair and saggy boobs, you know, and <laughs> gave me a beanie bra. And I said, she said, should we do it? And I said, let's do it. If, you know, if the Cohen brothers said yes. Right. And, and they loved it and they did. And again, I called on my grandmother to sort of channel through me a little bit. But anyway, the point of the story was I did something my grandmother and my mother always did. They held onto that pocketbook. I don't care where they were. That pocketbook was in their clutch. And I, one time I sent a limo when we first moved out here and I was showing off and I got a limo to pick up my parents at the airport. And, you know, we went with them and their mama got in the backseat of the limo with that pocketbook <laughs> in her lap, clutching that pocketbook, you know, and then I'd give her champagne. She's holding it. She still got that pocketbook. And I said, Mama, you can put your pocketbook down. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> so that pocketbook in No Country for Old Men was an homage to my grandmother and my mother. Mm. So so all of those little details throughout the, you know, Kitty Farmer was my um the PE teacher in ninth grade. You know, I have oh every God. every single character I've done, I have a little bit of me, a little bit of this one, a little bit of that one. And so seeing those and remembering those little specifics is thrilling to me. So I hope my legacy is that I 
represented the woman that might not, you know, be the leading lady. I'm not Michelle Pfeiffer, but are certainly a part of the fabric of America. And my characters, I think, are very American characters. <laughs> yes, yes. So, They're very relatable. I feel like you could relate to everybody you play. There's something about all your characters that is easily identifiable with the viewers. Oh, thank you. Thank you. One show that I, I loved you on, you were, you were only a guest star on, but I still remember your role to this day on The Golden Girls. Now, which and one got, was it? Did you were um, you were the secretary for um, Enrique Mas. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> you got to work with Betty White. Yes. I mean, do, do, you, do you, what do you remember about working with her? Well, I will tell you, she is the, uh, oh, such an incredible human being. And I had a very difficult monologue. It was like, you know, big, long. I had to go pop, 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 pop. And all week long, I was working, you know, and, do it. and at the end, when we shot that, in fact, it makes me cry, she stopped the show after the take, and she said to the audience, ladies and gentlemen, this is Beth Grant, and all week long, she has been there for us, and she has never missed a beat, and I just wanted you to give her a round of applause. And I was, I was shaking. I was so thrilled because that was pretty early in my career. I mean, yes. I had really just started working. It was such a big deal to me. So kind. And, uh, oh, God, I just loved her to death. And then Rube McClanahan and I had worked together in Picnic at the Amundsen. She had been the mother. And, and I was Irma Cronkite with the new dress. Uh -huh. uh, and uh, she had always been very kind and lovely to me. So I felt very welcomed there. And they were all just wonderful to me. Terry Hughes was the director who was the main director for Golden Girls. And uh, B. Arthur was so funny. She had just won the Emmy after being nominated a few times. Mm -hmm. And uh, I congratulated her. And I think I self-servingly told her that I voted for her or something. And, <laughs> and uh, I, she was going in her dressing room and she said, thank you. And shut the door. <laughs> mm. No small talk from B. Very yes. kind, but no small talk. Uh, so it was, it was a great honor to do. And then later I went back and you know who directed the second episode I did? Mark Cherry. Desperate oh my Housewives. God. Yes. Yeah. So, so I was exciting. at a, I was at a restaurant one day and he came over and said, Beth, it's Mark Cherry. And this is when Desperate Housewives was huge. Mm -hmm. And he said, this is Mark, I'm Mark Cherry. And I wrote an episode of Golden Girls for you. And I said, oh, how did I? And he sat down. And I went, wait a minute. Mark Cherry? That's <laughs> Desperate Housewives. <laughs> and he was, oh, my God. Yeah. So you never know. You never know. And then you you and Rue got to work together on Sorted Lives. Yes. The series. Yes. Yes. Well, she, she came to see me in the play. And... Uh, it's it, she's it, Ken Raskoff, my dear friend, who was at that time vice president of NBC, um, brought her to the play to see Sorted Lives. And I think that's the night she met Del Shore. So I'm sure that's where that seed was planted. Ah. And uh, she just loved the play and loved the movie. And, you know, those little cute hats she wore in the series. Yeah. She made all those hats. She oh made gosh. them with her hands. That's crazy. She, she's a cute little Oklahoma girl. Mm hmm. And uh, we had such fun as being reunited. We had a good time together. We didn't have a lot to do together, but we mm -hmm. had a church scene and we were so tickled. We just, <laughs> I just loved her to death. She was, yeah. I, I did a play out here called The Tuning Fork that she had done off Broadway. And she came and she brought a whole entourage. She brought everybody from Picnic and Aww. she was very supportive. 
That's so nice. In fact, I'll tell you about that play. It was, uh, I had a little sex scene by myself, if you get my drift. Uh -huh. And I mean, <laughs> dancing in fancy underwear with lights going off. And my husband brought his brother and their family and he was mortified. <laughs> <laughs> but Rue had done it off Broadway. Yeah. Oh my God. I love, I love how you're, you, you're connected to all of these amazing actors and actresses and how throughout your career, you sort of like weave back in and out of each other's lives. Yeah. You know, even when you're not working together, when you are working together, it's so nice that you're able to, to reconnect and to, you know, pick up where you left off. And it's incredible. It's a small town, really. You know, once you get started, it's so hard to get in the door. But once you get started, it does become a small town. Same with the crew, too. Yes. I mean, uh, you know, Sandra Bullock and I have worked together four times. Now, I haven't worked with her in a long time, but we had a, a nice run of speed and then a time to kill. And then she mm -hmm. wrote up movie that she directed called Making Sandwiches, and it premiered at Sundance. And then... We did uh, All About Steve, where I played her mother. Uh -huh. And I got to be uh, a shiksa. And I, I got to wear like a, a reddish blonde wig and wear Gucci and Poochie. And I mean, I was I had died and gone to heaven after playing so many women, you know, in, in uh, house dresses. Mm -hmm. It was so much fun to really get dressed up and be sexy and look cute. So I've had a good time with Sandy. I was very grateful. She was one of the producers on that. And. I was so happy that I got to do that part. Wow. So, and, and a lot of people, though, I've worked with more than once. You're right. We just sort of, we, and then we'll run into each other at a party or a premiere or screening of some kind. And even though we don't see each other very often, once you're family, you're family. Mm -hmm. There's a great coming together. So, yeah, I have a lot of people to love. I really do. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll have much more with Beth Grant. Priceline presents, go to your happy price. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. You can see yourself already there. It's beautiful. It might be sunny and sandy for some, neon and urban for others, deserts or rainforests or hiking trails. With Priceline, you can get to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else like up to 60% off select hotels to Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to Priceline.com and travel to your happy place for a happy price. All right, see ya. I'm off to Miami. No, actually, wow, look at that. No, I I'm going to Hawaii now. Ooh, Cancun looks nice. You know what? Belize looks pretty nice this time of year. Or, mmm, Palm Springs. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Febreze is a proud partner of Can't Cancel Pride. However you choose to express yourself, Febreze has the perfect scent to make your home even more fabulous in your own unique way. Have an amazing pride from Febreze. Hey, this is Beth Grant, and you're listening to Bearing It All with Call Me Adam. And now we're back. Do you have any, um, are there any projects that you're working on now that you, um, that you hope feed into your legacy? I mean, you have such a huge body of work. Are, are there any like recent projects that you just completed or 
Well, there are. There are a couple now that are available. Uh, unfortunately, you know, with the pandemic, uh, they opened in theaters, but uh-huh. with very limited uh, theatrical right. release. One is called uh, Words on Bathroom Walls, uh-huh. and it's on Amazon Prime, and it's that darling, darling Charlie Plummer is the star. He, oh. he and Taylor Russell. He is amazing. Grew up at on uh, 74th in Amsterdam. New York oh, boy. Wow. And uh, so he's the star of that. And it, it's about schizophrenia, but it's done in a way that's, I don't know, it makes you really get inside his head. And there's some horrifying things, but you also get to, uh, his, his voices are personified mm. and they're very attractive people that are just trying to protect him. I mean, there's mm-hmm. one with a baseball bat, but you, it's not done in that way that schizophrenia is usually presented. You know, uh-huh. it's, it's much more entertaining and has a much more loving romantic story behind it. So that's one. And it's got, you know, Molly Parker and um, Andy Garcia, a lot of great actors in it. And then there's one uh, called Wander Darkly with Sienna Miller and Diego uh-huh. Luna. I'm, I know you can get it video on demand. I'm not sure if it's on Netflix or one of the free services. Okay. Yet. Uh, it, it didn't open. It opened behind Words on Bathroom Walls. Then I'm very excited to reunite with my dearest old friend, Billy Bob Thornton mm. and Goliath, the final season. And it is so good. The writing on this is so good. And they, I guess it's eight or 10 episodes and I play a judge and I'm in five episodes and it is about very important, you know, opioid crisis. Uh And uh, I loved my role. And I tell you about this. I was so scared to do this in the pandemic. I was just scared to go to work. Mm -hmm. And I asked the producers, I, I just couldn't commit to it. And I kept asking, I said, well, can I talk to the producers? So I'd ask these questions and then I'd think of more questions. I'd call them back. And so finally, it's my it's September 18th, which is my birthday. Mm-hmm. And um, it was the day that RBG passed away. Oh. Now, on my workbook, I'd already started working on it because I had to learn the lines and do the research. She was my prototype. Now, mm-hmm. I can't do RBG, but I was in my mind doing an homage to mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. And so I had her picture on my workbook. And I'm sitting at the dining table with her face right there in front of me. And we hear that she's passed away. Mm. And I was like, oh, no. Right at that moment, my agent calls and says, yay or nay, you got to decide. And I knew I was supposed to do it. It mm. was just too synchronistic. So I said, yeah. yes. I said, yes, we'll, we'll figure out all the pandemic stuff. And it was fine. I mean, we did lots of testing. And mm-hmm. there were some uh, what they call uncon- inconclusive test results uh-huh. from time to time. And we did close down for one day. But then we Im- immediately picked up on Monday. And at one point, the director was directing on Facebook. And I mean, uh, FaceTime. But, you uh-huh. know, it went great. That crew was fabulous. Wow. Producers were cra- fabulous. Billy and I had the best time, you know. Oh. He, he and I did a show called The Judge. So mm-hmm. another synchronicity. And in fact, I'm sure that's why he thought of me. I'm sure that's why he brought me in because we're at the, you know, in the uh, golden years of our careers. And I'm sure that he saw The Judge. And he, we were supposed to do a movie together called The Judge with Robert Downey Jr., Robert Duvall. But I couldn't do it because of the Mindy oh. Project. And so anyway, it was just great being with him. And uh, and then Bruce Stern, J.K. Simmons. I mean, all these gentlemen oh, from Donnie Darko. I mean, it was 
a great cast. I got to, and I was the boss. So mm. such, yes. So I had a blast. Like I was tough too. I was tough. And you face Bruce Dern and uh -huh. you got to be tough. You got to be the one in charge. You got to put him in his place. I mean, it was great. I loved it. I had a blast. So that well, comes out soon. I don't know when, but. Um, okay. I was just going to ask. Very good. Very good finale. Oh, uh, terrific. Yeah. Well, can't wait to watch it. And I've got couple of movies I'm committed to depending on the pandemic. Okay. Uh, Terrific. These little films suffer because they can't afford the PPE and the, you know, testing and all of that kind yes. of stuff. And so sadly, usually I'm the yes girl and I say yes to anything I can do. And if, if I click with the director, mm -hmm. but I have been turning some things down because I'm not confident of the, um, you know, the uh, protocols. I'm not confident that they can, and I want to live. So. Right. Yes. Yes, of course. Of course. You have to take care of yourself first before yeah. you can yeah. commit to anything. Yeah. Yes. So, but I'm at the stage now, I really want something I can sit my teeth into, you mm -hmm. know, I can really be challenged and do something that's exciting uh, or why do it, you know? Right. So right. It's, it's, it's an interesting time for me because that is not my history at all. Right. Know? Because, I, I mean, looking at your, I mean, you, like I said at the beginning, I mean, you have over 230 credits. I mean, you, you, you've done everything. And it's interesting to hear you now to say, you know what, I am going to be a little more selective. But I think that's what you, I think that's a stage that you earn when you get to a certain point in your career that you can be a little more selective, you know. Well, I'm fortunate, you know, I'm fortunate that I've lived this long. I'm fortunate mm -hmm. that I worked enough to have a pension and my husband has his pension and we've been very frugal. Anybody that knows us knows how some people might call it cheap, but we, <laughs> you know, as character actors, we were very clear that we didn't know if we were going to work again. So we have mm -hmm. been always lived conservatively and way below our means. And so mm -hmm. we're, we're comfortable now and I am in that position, but I feel very, very lucky and fortunate. One more part of the legacy conversation is um, yes. what is something that you want to pass on to, uh, to Mary? You know, what do you hope that she gets from you? Mm. Well, I think she does have a work ethic that's remarkable. I mean, she was a valedictorian. She went to Juilliard, graduated with honors. And she, during the pandemic, she's in our guest house Fortunately, she got back just as everything was closing down. Mm. She was she was on Star Trek for two years, Star Trek Discovery. And she's been out there on Zoom. She does play readings every Sunday mm. with a group called Bespoke, uh, all original material. She has been work, uh, producing and being in an improv show, uh, long form improv. I don't know what it is, but she's doing it. And then she has been developing... Um, we did a show called Operation Othello in virtual reality for Viola Davis and Julius Tennant's company, Juvie. And we worked with Facebook and we shot in virtual reality this pilot. What uh -huh. we want to do is give access to quality theater and the classics, starting with Othello, to the public schools and to all schools, to all students in libraries so oh, that wow. people in a classroom can put on the goggles uh -huh. And then they get to experience, you know, virtual reality. They get to experience great theater. That was the goal. But as it turns out, it's very expensive to get uh -huh. those goggles into classrooms, so on and so forth. So now the idea that they're working on just this week, they put together a pitch um, of augmented reality. Mm. And in augmented reality, all you need is a telephone. Ah. So... 
it's much more accessible. That would be a tremendous legacy, not just for me, but for our family. Mm -hmm. And as you say, for Mary, I would love her to do that. I would love her. She has such great training in the classics. I would Mm -hmm. love for her to be able to share that with the world. But as you know, it's not the most commercial thing to do, Shakespeare. And um, I don't know. I I want her to have a work ethic. I want her to Mm -hmm. follow her heart. She's a strong feminist and she's very outspoken. I hope that she can use that voice creatively to help change the world. Sounds a little corny, but I think at six feet tall mm-hmm. with her power and her education and her training, you know, I think she could do it. She could make a difference in this whole world. Well, let's switch gears and do some uh, rapid fire questions to find out more about you this way. Favorite movie? Can I have more than one? <laughs> yes. For you, I'll allow it. Okay. Well, I have to say, even though I'm in it, No Country for Old Men. Mm-hmm. But I will also add Sorted Lives. I will also add Donnie Darko. Uh, I will also add Little Miss Sunshine, The Artist. I'm in those, though. I'm in all of them. <laughs> so it is self-serving. But I think it's that I've been that lucky, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, no, you've been art- in some incredible movies. The Artist is a perfect film. It's beautiful. Little Miss Sunshine is damn near perfect. I I mean, and, you know, and No Country for Old Men, as I say, my husband and I, that's one of our go-to movies. Godfather mm. 1, Godfather 2, and No Country for Old Men, Casablanca. I mean, there's some, and it's not because I'm in it. It's because it's the Coen Brothers masterpiece. That's the mm-hmm. truth. So mm-hmm. I, I love movies, so I have a long list of films that I really love, actually. so I love it. Tu uh, Wang Fu. I gotta mention Tu Wang Fu. Oh yes. Oh, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about Tu Wang Fu uh, okay. in a little bit. Okay. Yes. Um, favorite uh, musical? Follies. The sun comes up. I oh. think about him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I guess I that, that. And the title of that is not The Sun Comes Up. So funny, Bernadette Peters. I saw before she did Follies at one of her shows. I said can you sing the coffee cup song? And she says, what's the coffee cup song? I said, you know, from Follies. <laughs> I, I think about him. And I never can remember the name of it. I call it the coffee cup song. And, <laughs> and, and later she said, you know, you were psychic because I had just started talking to Sondheim about doing Follies. And she had then put that song in her show. And then she did uh, the the play on Broadway. So yes. I was psychic, but I knew she, she could kill it. I knew she would kill it. But <laughs> she what did. is the name of I that? I think it's lo- Losing My Mind. Yeah, that's it. Yes. The coffee yes. cup, I think about him. So that's why I call it coffee cup song. I'm sure Stephen <laughs> Sondheim would be delighted to know that that's what I remember from his lyrics. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I loved Folly so much. Mm. Have you got time for just a couple of Holly stories? I do have time. So 1972, I had moved back to New York for the second time. And I was, I had seen Follies on spring break in my senior year in college. And so it was still running and I didn't have any money, uh, but I could get standing room tickets. And so I went a couple of times and then I heard it was closing and I had, I mean, I was broke and I thought, oh my God, I've got, I just got to sacrifice. I just got to go. And at that time at the Winter Garden Theater, the tickets were $4. Oh my God. Standing room. Can you imagine $4? But that was a lot of money to me. Mm -hmm. So on the Friday night before it closed on Saturday night, 
I got a standing room ticket for four dollars and I it's gonna make me cry and I stood in the back and I got I got the early I got the best position you know in the back mm -hmm. and this attractive gentleman comes up in a suit stands beside me got a briefcase puts the briefcase down and so I don't know what I said uh, and he said oh it seems like you've seen this show before and I said oh yes I've seen it as many times as I could afford and he said well tell me about it so I go, oh well and I tell him every single thing and how you know like, this part reminds me of my mother and da, da, da. and uh, he's listening to everything listening to everything and then the overture starts and he says oh it's a musical and I looked at him and I said, I think you know more than you say you know. And he said, I'm James Goldman, who had written the play, wrote the book. I, and I had to stand beside him the whole play. There was no intermission. There I was beside. I, I, I can't even tell you what that oh meant Oh, my to me. God. And at the end of the play, I said, may I write you? May I get in touch? And he gave me some address. Hmm. And so anyway, I did write him later and I didn't hear back, but I, it wasn't really the kind of, I wasn't asking to meet for coffee, which I should have done, but <laughs> I, I just wrote him and told him what an honor it was and how much I love the show again. But so that's the Friday night, then Saturday night, all day Saturday, I'm going, I have to get there. I have to, I have to be there for closing night. I have to be there for closing. What am I going to do? So I came up with this idea. I took the ticket that had been torn in half for me. I held it between my fingers somehow and got in. I don't know how I pulled it off, but somehow I got in there. Oh, you closed. used like an old ticket that you had already purchased. Yes. And oh I, my it God. had been ripped off, but I held it with my fingers. <laughs> and then they took it. They were in a hurry and they ripped it and they didn't realize I made it. I got in. So I'm standing there and I made friends with the guy standing next to me, of course. And everyone there for closing night was a huge fan. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like a normal audience. We were all, you know, just in love with this show. So overture starts. Yay! First number. Every single number got a standing ovation oh i mean clapping cheering cheering people were throwing flowers flowers were a foot tall on the foot of the stage the, oh the, everybody's crying we went down like a rock concert down i've never seen this down to the stage you know oh my god i mean people don't do that in broadway shows yeah and we're screaming and screaming and screaming and then this kid that i was standing next to we went backstage afterwards and were able to see Alexa Smith and Dorothy Collins as they were leaving. What a night, what a night. But over the years, you know, I thought, gosh, I wish I'd been with somebody so I could share this, you know, mm -hmm. and there was a writer for TV guide named Skip Carrington. And we were doing a television show called real people. And we were doing a cross country train special. And uh, something came up about Follies. I said, Oh, I was there closing night. And he said, wait, I was there closing night. And I said, what we, leaped into each other's arms, hugging and crying. Oh my God. We had never been able to share it with anybody. I had never, it was the most magical thing. Skip, bless his heart, has passed away. But mm. to find that person who had experienced this rare thing was amazing. Yes. Was amazing. Oh my God. But it also was my first equity show as an actor, not on Broadway, but they did a star package tour 
in Westchester. We opened Westchester Country Playhouse that summer for the first, I think it was 72, might have been 73, 73, I believe. It was the first year of Westchester Country Playhouse. And Follies was one of the packages, Vivian Blaine, Robert Alda, Selma Diamond. Uh, and the deal was, I was working in costumes, and the deal was that I would get to do small roles that weren't, uh -huh. that didn't travel with the show. They would pick up a local person. Uh -huh. And so I heard Follies was coming, and I said to the stage manager, I said, you have to let me be in Follies. You have to let me be in Follies. He said, to tell you the truth, we don't have the money. If the costume fits, you can do the part. So I'm working in costumes. <laughs> Brooks Van Horn truck pulls up. I'm out in the back of the truck. I'm looking, waitress, 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 waitress. There's the box. I take it in. I get in the bathroom too tight. Well, I got my seam ripper, <laughs> undid the seam, put it on, went out on stage, said, Conwell, it fits. He says, you got the part. My first equity show. Oh my gosh. Not only did you sneak into the closing night of the show, but you altered the costume to get the part. I love yeah. it. <laughs> watch oh, out for Beth Grant. <laughs> yeah, watch out for Beth Grant. Uh, we are unfortunately out of time for today, but stay tuned because the second part of this episode with Beth Grant will be released soon. Well, this has been a fantastic interview. Thank you so much for coming on today. Um, oh, I love you. I love you too. I can't wait to see all the new stuff you have coming out. And remember here at the Broadway Podcast Network, we have thousands of hours of theater and art related podcasts. So keep listening and download our new app so you can carry us with you in your pocket. Oh, how wonderful. He'll get the dirt and the scoop and the story for he happens to be in the know. Just ask anybody who's had him at all the place for the business of show. Call me Adam.com. Find more episodes of Bearing It All with Call Me Adam everywhere you stream podcasts. For my print and video interviews, visit my website, callmeadam.com. Follow me on social media at callmeadamnyc on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And finally, if you really want to get involved, support my podcast on a deeper level by becoming a member of my Patreon family. Visit patreon.com slash callmeadamnyc. There, you'll get a variety of backstage perks, including advanced notice of interviews, the ability to submit a question to my guests, and everyone's favorite, swag. 